With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome back everybody to the hangout in the holy land the official podcast of landgrantholyland.com a pretty okay website that you can read for free uh that's all about ohio state sports um i am your host matt brown we are recording this show here on monday june 26 2017 in the afternoon and normally during this time of year it's, it's easier to have more regular podcasts because there's not as much going on both in terms of ohio state news and also uh, my day job here at SB Nation. The news cycle slows down enough. You can get you can experiment a little bit more. But obviously, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, things have been anything but slow. Ohio State's uh, suddenly fires a basketball coach. And now we, we now we have Chris Holtman as the, as the new coach and kind of changing the trajectory and the history here of Ohio State basketball. We're seeing that right now at the website. You know, I'm, I, I guess I'm, I'm saying this over the air now before it technically goes live on the Internet. But by the time you listen to this, it will probably be, be live. Uh, I am stepping down as the site manager for Land Grant Holy Land. I've been doing this uh, for five years. It's time to give some other people a, a new voice. And so, uh, you know, the, the, we'll have some changes with the website and, and probably subsequently this podcast on some level as well as we turn things over here to new management. It's a time of unexpected changes. We've seen some, uh, you know, Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. We've, we've seen some big changes here. Colton, you're not taking any big changes right now. You're, you're not you're not leaving us, are you? No, I'm, I'm right here. I'm staying for good and presumably... Hopefully, so is Urban Meyer, which we'll get into. Yeah, let's let's just jump. Let's just jump right into it. That was, you know, I, I really appreciate that that segue for what, for what we're going to talk about here. It's why uh, you are a serious radio professional. So, Ohio State's basketball coach, you know, a position now of of a little bit of instability. You're just bringing an entirely new person. You never know exactly how that's going to go. But uh, it also wasn't completely shocking given that Thad Mata had health problems and that Ohio State basketball has low-key and then very high-key started to suck over the last four years in a row. Uh, the, fa- you know, the fact that it was happen- that the change happened in June, unexpected. The fact that change happened at all or was uh, nigh uh, appro- approaching, not so unexpected. Ohio State football, on the other hand, has been a paragon of uh, stability and success virtually nobody in the country right now is recruiting at the level of Ohio State, not even Alabama at this present moment. Ohio State has been one of the most successful programs in terms of, you know, on the field, institutionally, you name it. It's This is about as good as it can get, I think, for a college football program, which then begs the question, do you anticipate this, this ship just humming along for the next decade? Because Urban's not exactly, an, he's not an old guy. He could do this for another 15 years, potentially, at a high level. Uh, or, you know, could, could things change a little bit? Because, you know, we've seen a couple of, of, of things that look like dynasties on paper and then maybe unexpectedly uh, change, even though a coach wasn't necessarily fired. How, how long do you think the Buckeyes have under, you know, enjoying a run like this under a coach like they have? 
for some background on this, I was listening to The Audible, which is a college football podcast hosted by Fox Sports' Stuart Mandel and Bruce Feldman, and this was a question that they got. And given that this is Urban Meyer's sixth year at Ohio State, which matches his six years at Florida for the longest that he's stayed at a certain school, it's interesting because when you look at it in a vacuum, just like if it were Alabama and Nick Saban, you'd say, oh, yeah, for as long as he wants to be here, you know, he can continue churning out these 12, 13, 14 win seasons, win a couple national championships. But as you noted, with college football, you never really know what's going to happen, and things can change so fast, like we saw a couple weeks ago with Bob Stoops. But I definitely think it's a question worth asking. And in terms of how long I think he's going to stay, I think that Ohio State probably has at least five more really, really good seasons out of Urban Meyer. But to be honest, you know, I don't know if I see him coaching until he's 60 years old. I want to say he's 51 right now. And with the way that he grinds and the hours that he puts in, which notedly are less than the ones he did at Florida, I still don't think you're going to see him at this job or any job that involves coaching football until he's 60 years old. So I struggle to think that we can get another decade out of this, but five to seven years, I think, is very likely with the way it's going right now. It's it's so hard to say, and I, I think that my initial impulse is to, is to never like assume that things are going to keep going at the way that they're going for, for like a decade, right? So he's 52, Urban, July 10th, 1964 is his birthday. Uh, it's coming up, in case you were thinking of giving him a gift, you're welcome. I believe you know his, his his kids were you know either in school or recently out of school. I think he has a son who's about to go play baseball at Cincinnati, and that's kind of been like the wild card, right? Like you know, if you're you, you want you want to be near your children, if your if your your kid's going to be in and around Ohio, are you going to go take an opportunity that's going to send you to the West Coast or something? Maybe maybe that's that's less likely. I don't have any reporting to back this up. This is just me sitting at my desk right now talking into a microphone, lest some other blogger or some other Twitter person like hears this and it's like, Matt Brown's reporting. No, no, no. I'm not reporting anything. I'm just I'm just talking. I would not be completely shocked at some point if the opportunity was right, Meyer entertained the NFL. Once you get to a certain level in college football, there's really not a whole lot else that you can prove, right? And, uh, you know, I think if, uh, if an opportunity in Cincinnati or Cleveland with the NFL opened up at, at the right time, uh, given where Ohio State, maybe if Ohio State was just coming off another national title or something, I think that would be a conversation that he might that he might be willing to have. But based on his health, based on the difficulties of just doing doing any of this at a high level, it's, I think it's it's unusual anybody, no matter how good a coach you are, to be at the same school and be elite for a decade, you know, there's, there's, uh, it's, it, it's not something that had, you know, the Nick Saban kind of, kind of people are, are an anomaly. You know, I wouldn't bet on Jim Harbaugh being at Michigan for another decade. I wouldn't bet on Urban Meyer being Ohio State for another decade. I don't think there's very many coaches, period. I would say you're probably going to be that coach in the, another decade with the exception of like Kirk Ferentz, who's going to be at Iowa until the forever, the, the heat death of the universe. I guess an interesting question, and when we talked, we discussed this a couple of times before, and it seemed like there was a really obvious candidate to be like the replace Urban Meyer if he went to the NFL or decided I've made gobs of money, I'm just going to hang out for a little while and not have to try to convince teenagers to like me uh, year-round. You would go get Tom Herman. But now that Tom Herman is ensconced is, is, uh, is in Texas, 
I think that that becomes a difficult conversation. I don't think you'd be able to pry him away from there. Who would you want Ohio State to get? Is there somebody that's like an immediate heir on this coaching staff? Would you want somebody who's connected to Urban Meyer in some way? Would you just go, you know, bring in the 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 best coach? I mean, obviously, this is one of the three or four truly premier jobs I think in the sport. But is there anybody right now you're like, well, I mean, I just want that person. No, honestly, there isn't. And I can't really think of anybody at the top of my head. And something that I wanted to bring up is whether Urban Meyer has changed the expectation for the Ohio State job. Because, of course, you look back at Jim Tressel and John Cooper and all the success that Ohio State's had over its history. But with all due respect to those great coaches and to Woody Hayes, I really don't think Ohio State's ever been on quite a run like the one they are right now. And I think you look at a guy like Jim Tressel and some guys we would normally associate with the Ohio State job, and there's probably a lot of fans that would say, well, first and foremost, I want somebody with Ohio ties who can recruit the hell out of the state. And I think that that's very important on the list of qualifications. But I also believe that with what Meyer has done here, that he's kind of shown how Ohio State can recruit nationally not only just in Pennsylvania which Jim Tressel was known to dip into and Florida to get some skill players but those places as well as Texas Nevada California Ohio State has two commits from Tennessee kids right now and I think whoever they end up hiring next you know they have to have that vision of okay we need to get the top Ohio kids and not let them go elsewhere especially in the Big Ten but also, Ohio, this is a national brand now, and if you can't pluck kids from Texas or from Georgia like they did with Raekwon McMillan or some players from Tennessee, from Florida, then I think that that's somebody you have to be wary of, to be honest. You know what? I'm going to disagree with you. I think that what—I mean, is, is Ohio State a national brand? For however you want to define that, I think the answer is yes. And— uh, I also think that that's a term that we probably overuse a little bit in college athletics. Um, I would, there, I think there's only only about a dozen universities that meet that distinction, and and not only, I don't think Ohio State qualifies for that not just because of their on the field success and how they recruit, but I think just demographics. Ohio State is an enormous university. There's a ton of Ohio expats in like every single freaking state. Like Ohio State might be the most popular college team in like Las Vegas. It's one of the most popular college teams in like Phoenix. You know, there's all places all over the south, like the south, where Ohio expats live, and all over the Midwest, where it's a popular team. I live in in Prince George County, Maryland, where like down the street from College Park, and there's a ton of Ohio State flags and stickers here, uh, and that would be true even if Ohio State went perennially nine and three. But yeah, I, I do agree that that it's it is a national brand, but I don't necessarily think that whoever Ohio State gets as a replacement for Urban Meyer necessarily has to recruit nationally at the way that that Meyer does right so I mean like here's what we know about the recruiting caliber necessary to win a national title based in in the recruiting rankings era every single team that's won a national title has had a a recruited more blue chip players than non-blue chip players we've written about this in Espionation a couple of times but they call it the blue chip ratio which is different from the Twitter ratio, which is another very important. That's a ratio you want to stay away from. That's a ratio you want to avoid. So what that basically means, if you have 22 kids in your recruiting class, you want at least 11 of them to be four or five star caliber guys. Um, and you don't necessarily, so like Ohio State right now is like really over the last three or four years, it's been like a top three 
recruiting team. And like, if you look at their class right now, which has 14 kids in it, 13 of them are blue chip kids. And next month, all of them should be blue chip kids. You can only way that I think you can reach that level of recruiting dominance is by pulling kids nationally. And Alabama does that too. Um, there's a lot of good high school football players in Alabama, but you know they're going to get like a tight end in Illinois. They go to California. They'll go to Utah. They'll go across the South. But Jim Trestle didn't do that when he won a national title at Ohio State. That was a, a you know th- that was those were recruiting classes that had a few more three-star Ohio kids or maybe lower four-star Ohio kids that wouldn't have gotten Ohio State offers now and developed well enough. Now, they still had plenty of four- and five-star guys. Like, let's not pretend or mythologize, like, Jim Trestle, Ohio State, as if it was, like, I don't know, friggin' Minnesota or something. Like, they they were still pulling in a bunch of really uh, elite athletes. But there was a little bit more flexibility there, I think. And and you, you could... I think if you had a, a very good X's and O's coach and you were at Ohio State and you were signing recruiting classes in like the you know 8 to 12 range, you know, still above the blue chip ratio, but you were dipping into Ohio a little bit more, I think you can still win a national title. Because um, the, the, the amount of coach, the number of coaches out there that can really replicate, I think, what Ohio State does uh, on, the, is, on the recruiting trail is like is, there, there, there might be one or two other people. Yeah, and I think that that's fair, and I wouldn't disagree with any of that. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say that whoever replaces Urban Meyer needs to recruit at the same level because that's just not going to happen. You look at him and Nick Saban, and you know they may be the two best recruiting coaches ever along with Bobby Bowden, but I, I do think that it would be, for lack of a better term, a colossal waste to have somebody that can't do that based off of the relationships that they've established with schools in Texas and schools down in Florida and Nevada and in California, that those players are not only going to Ohio state and playing well, but we're starting to see those players have success in the NFL. And that resonates with alumni. And when players go back to their schools and talk about Ohio state. So I'm with you that if it's an Ohio guy and that focus shifts more to what we saw under Jim Trestle, they can still win with that and they can play at a national level. But I, I think that Meyer has showcased really like the, the fully operational strength of what Ohio State can be when it's at its highest level. And, and I think not having somebody that can replicate that to a certain degree would, for me at least, be a little bit of a disappointment. To be, I'm going to be honest with you. I think whoever Ohio State has to replace Urban Meyer will be a disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I, I, I don't. I think this is about as good as anybody can ever really expect. Like Ohio State is the unicorn right now with everything that happened with Trestle for it to all go down like that and to be replaced with Urban Meyer. Like we're living in a fairy tale world. This doesn't happen. For for very, it happens for very very few schools. Most really truly elite programs have still have a run where they suck. You know, Michigan had Rich Rodriguez. Alabama had the pre-Nick Saban years. Florida State had zombie Bobby Bowden and also everything before Bobby Bowden when, you know, peak of their program is playing Wyoming in the Sun Bowl, a game that I wrote about in my book, by the way. Please, please, please buy my book. So, like, the the fact that, that you can look at the Buckeyes really since, like, I don't know, World War II, and, and have not really been bad for a very prolonged period of time is is pretty amazing. 
You know, there, there was they, they sucked for <clears throat> a couple of years and they transitioned from Earl Bruce to John Cooper, or, you know, 30 years ago when I was born. <clears throat> the transition between Cooper to Trestle, you know, wasn't great. You know, from 99 to 2001, they, they, they never won more than eight games. And then they won a national title, like right after that. There's been a couple of other runs, I think, on the field that are comparable <clears throat> to what's happened right now. I think the, the mid-70s under Woody Hayes when the Buckeyes made four Rose Bowls in a row. Uh, and then a, an orange and a sugar bowl that's up there. And then, you know, I think <clears throat> earlier in his tenure in like the mid fifties, you know, it's, it's not, it's not too far off, but obviously college football in 1956 and college football in 2016 are extremely different things. Like I, you know, it's every time you see a new commitment, every time you see something else crazy happen, I think you just got to take a step back and just appreciate uh, what's happening right now. Cause I don't, I don't think it's going to come back, even though I, I expect Ohio state to still be very good after Urban Meyer, and hopefully that's not for several years. I don't think it's going to be the way that is right now. Not that there would be many coaches who would turn down the Ohio State job, but maybe there'd be a little bit of trepidation if they weren't familiar and seeing what he's been able to do nationally. And you have a coach that comes in with not a lot of ties to Ohio, but they say, okay, I I know I can still bring kids in from Florida and from Texas. Do you think that that plays a role at all? Uh, it, it It might for the right person, I think. It's it's I mean, I'm just trying to brainstorm of like who would be even some like some some possible names. You know, I imagine Luke Fickle would be in that conversation. Uh, I would have I would have floated Bob Stoops, but he's he's out of the game. He's a guy that's got some uh, got some Ohio ties. You might dig a little bit deeper into the Urban Meyer coaching tree uh, for some folks that he was involved with around Florida. But then it's basically just a who's who of who's like the who are the five best coaches nationally. And I, I think just like they I mean, like they will with like an Alabama or something, people will make it work for that kind of a position. It might, it might be the, it might be the, the job with the, with the highest recruiting ceiling in the country. Although that might change as Ohio high school football kind of deteriorates a little bit. And do you think that what's happening with the city of Columbus right now is going to play any role into that? Cause I haven't been to Columbus for a couple of years, but based off of everything I've read, it's undergone a lot of changes, and it's pretty much the place to be right now. Do you think that that factors in? Uh, well, you know that that that's interesting. Like it, it is a the Columbus that that we see right now is very different from the Columbus where I grew up, and and you know that we saw maybe maybe twenty years ago. It's interesting. I don't think high school football in Columbus has caught up to the population boom yet, although that's improving. You know, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I think there was only like one Olentangy, there was one Pickerington, there were two Dublins. And those weren't places that were, I mean, like the, the the center of high school football talent in Ohio is still Cleveland, it's still Cincinnati, and to a lesser extent, not as much as it used to be back in the day, but, but other other parts in northeastern Ohio. For high school basketball, I think that has changed. Like that, that's probably what makes Ohio State a more attractive basketball position. I think is because like that's a region that produces a lot of really good basketball players, and maybe that and maybe that will change as demographics continue to shift and more people move into the you know Delaware County or 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 uh, you know down to Pickerington or whatever and and produce more more quality players. But you know Columbus is a good place to live, and and the, if Ohio State wasn't absolutely amazing at everything else, uh, that would make it as a, an interesting job. You know the fact that it's in a fun city with a lot of proximity to good to good athletes certainly makes it appealing, and that's part of what makes Ohio State appealing, I think, for most sports. Yeah, and on that note, since you brought up basketball and the way that it's kind of changing in recruiting with the city of Columbus, Chris Holtman has gotten off to a pretty hot start, and it looks like there's going to be at least maybe not a commitment, but some big news with Ohio State basketball coming up. 
Yeah, it's it's he definitely hit the ground running, right? Like there there's been a huge push on recruiting not just with not just within the state of Ohio, but within Indiana and with a couple of other I think pretty big name national type prospects. So it's it's been it's been a, a, a weird week or two, right? Because the Buckeyes have, have now have no commits for 2018. Dan Goodwin, a Columbus area kid, you know, committed to the Buckeyes like a gajillion years ago really saw his profile increase over the, the last year because he had a great high school basketball season. He decommitted. He's not sure exactly where he fits in with, with you know, with with Ohio State's plans, and, and which, which which does make some sense, I think, given, you know, new coaching staff and everything. So Justin Ahrens, Darius Baisley, Dan Goodwin, they're, they're all out. But the Buckeyes have been really aggressive in going after a bunch of other recruits in, in those couple of states here. They're making they're making some offers. I don't know if Ohio State's going to be able to keep Goodwin. I know that they they still want to be involved in in that conversation. Certainly, Jerome Hunter, who just released his top five uh, today, four star wing out of Pickerington North. Uh, that's a big priority for the Buckeyes. Dwayne Cohill, a, a combo guard out of Cleveland's a big name for the Buckeyes. I think that there's going to be some basketball commitments. In that you know, before the end of the summer, that's going to give some clarity where they're going to go moving forward. But that might mean they might they might end up grabbing a kid out of Florida. They might end up grabbing a kid out of Indiana. Hopefully, it's a guard because that's the position group where the Buckeyes need the most help. We've talked a little bit about earlier about how some of the differences between Ohio State coaches and recruiting strategy. What are the biggest differences early on between what Mata like to do and what Holtman is doing right now? It's 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 tricky because I think what Mata you know likes to do circa 2007 and what Mata likes to do, you know, two years ago I think were a little bit different. But this is definitely although there are some offers to Florida and, and some other places because you know they're they're going after guys where they had a previous relationship here with Butler. It's definitely a more regionally focused recruiting plan at least at first. You are trying to be competitive for your kids who are within that hundred mile radius of where you are. That's around Columbus. You know, around Indianapolis, around Cleveland, and there's there's a lot of really good players there, and that's where you have to go to. I, th- I think to be successful at Ohio State, it, it's early. I mean, we've already got a guy suspended. You know, we there, there's nice. Holtman's clearly not afraid to make waves, but if you tuned out of paying attention to Ohio State basketball over the last couple of months, and I couldn't blame you for doing so, I'd reckon you plug back in now because I, I think some interesting things are going to be happening. We gotta actually wrap this up, unfortunately, because I am getting a couple. There's some some I'm getting some dirty looks here about this, uh, this, the status of, of this room real quick, before we head out, do you have any other questions that or anything else that we should, we should let the good people here know about or, to, or we should discuss? No, not really. I've just been reading a bunch of college football preview magazines and man, the, the big 12 is bad and the bottom of the big 10 is really bad too. It's just it's a random observation. I have it. The bottom of those two conferences are terrible. It's not, it, it's not great. I, w- I would <laughs> encourage you guys, if, if you haven't been, to follow along with Bill Connolly's Big Ten previews right now, I, I think he's gone through about a third of the conference. Like my, my big takeaway is, uh, Michigan State's gonna suck. They're man. bad, man. They are. They are really, really. I think about to have a prolonged nosedive with the program. I'm glad that you brought that up, and I'm glad that Bill kind of wrote about that because just doing some cursory research on them, it's like uh, as great as a coach as Mark D'Antonio is, like. Things for multiple reasons look really bad there for the future of that program. Yeah, I mean, forget the the recruiting trends where they're losing guys in Ohio to places like Cincinnati or Kentucky or even a couple other SEC programs. But uh, you're going in next year with basically like no offensive skill position talent outside of OJ Scott. You got some questions on your offensive line. Your secondary was horrific, and you went three and nine last year with a supposedly experienced team, and their schedule was hard. 
So I, I'd be worried about that. I would encourage you to, to tune in there if you want to get a better idea about Ohio State's schedule strength. We're going to talk more about those matchups, I think, later on in other episodes, whoever that host may end up being. In the meantime, I'm Matt. That's Colton. We're at LandGrant33 on Twitter. Be good to your, your new managers. The site's in good hands. I'm not dying. I'm not leaving forever. You're probably still going to see my byline on the website occasionally, but I need to step back and focus on a couple other things right now. Focus on uh, helping some SBNation.com initiatives, focusing on uh, on this book, which comes out in three weeks on the great what ifs in college football. And uh, you're probably going to hear about it on this podcast again. So uh, get excited for that. And we'll be in touch soon. In the meantime, thanks for listening and go Bucks. <laughs>